This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour, another spring episode of the show. We're going to talk. A lot of Buckeyes today, and uh, we're going to get right into it because we don't have a lot of time with, with both of our guests who are joining us. We've got Bucknuts' own Dave Biddle here as uh, he gets ready for his Cincinnati Reds to uh, begin the MLB season. And uh, Tim Hall, and Tim, you're representing Kansas City today. Tim Hall from The Fan. Boys, thanks Hello. for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah, last week I was drinking water on this because I was going to go to the gym. Today I refigured, configured my schedule so that I went to the gym, and now I'm rewarding myself with a Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. So, uh, Dave, you got what do you got there? It was just whatever was in the fridge. It's called a Lost Coast Brewery Ooh. White Ale. Not really my go-to, but my wife likes it. This is what was in the fridge. So this is what I'm drinking for opening day to maybe I run out later. We'll see. Lost Coast is California, guys. I know right. that. It's a, no, um, yeah. Thought about them. Eureka, California. Now, I'm more of a – now, usually my wife Molly it, it does the local beer too, you know, the local brewery. I'm, I'm a Columbus IPA guy, Columbus Brewing Company, some of the local breweries. But, yeah, for some reason she likes this um, California brewery as well. It's a good beer. It's a good beer. It looks good. I mean, I've, I haven't had it, but it looks good. The bottle looks great. And I wish I had a beer right now. You guys are at home. Here I am in a quiet blue jacket studio at the fan studios wearing a baseball jacket talking about Buckeyes. So it makes a lot of sense. We like all our sports here. We just happen to talk about one of them on this show more than more than the others. And speaking of that football, uh, let's get into it here. As I incorrectly said on the front row, we are not playing truth or dare today. We are playing, Dave. You 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 want to correct me on that one since you you did. That was so funny. Yeah, Pat puts up a promotional like post on our site says we're going to be playing a game of truth or dare. Um, it's like you mean a true or false? Yes, you know, are we, we going to play spin the bottle too? Like, let's no, I don't know. I'm not playing spin the bottle. I'm not playing truth or dare. I will play <laughs> true or false though. I will do that. You guys do have uh, you guys do have brews, so 
I don't know. We could get crazy. I mean, when no, there's no. some crazy. You guys crazy. I'm not getting crazy. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, I have a handful of truth or dare idea or true or false ideas here that uh, run through and we, we can discuss them. I'll go through both of you. Tim, I know you got to go do some work. So just holler when you need to jump off. And uh, Dave, you've got to take care of kids or something in a little bit, but we'll see how many we get through here and we'll just we'll just play it by ear. I want to start with uh, true or false. The next Buckeye quarterback will be a Heisman Trophy finalist at some point in his career. And this isn't saying which Buckeye quarterback, and, and you can discuss it if you want, which one you think it'll be. But we've had that now, I believe it's three consecutive Buckeye quarterbacks. Um, so Dave, we'll start with you. Do you think this next, whoever is the next starting quarterback for the Buckeyes, do you think he is a Heisman trophy finalist at some point? I'll go with, yes. It's a very good question. So I really am like on the fence on this one, but I do think um, when you add it all up, whoever wins this job, that means they're going to have to perform at a high level because I think both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are going to be good quarterbacks. I have no doubt. This is just my opinion that it's going to be Kyle McCord this year. And it's such a quarterback friendly offense loaded at wide receiver you know if you Kate Stover being back is an underrated story in my opinion if the offensive line can be solid and I think they will if they can be good look out I'm not saying they're going to be great I don't think they're going to be great I think there's a good chance they can be good you add it all up maybe not even this year um, but uh, yeah I mean if Kyle McCord's the starter this year and next year I think he will be a Heisman finalist one of those two years mm-hmm that is a Not good win the Heisman, but be a finalist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're just talking about get to the party there. Mm-hmm. Still, I think that's an incredible streak that Ohio State is on, even though they haven't won one. And I thought if we were to look at all the dudes that did make these runs to become finalists, maybe, maybe how far away Dwayne Haskins was from actually winning it was the most ridiculous based on what he did because his. His passing season has to be put up on a pedestal. I mean, it's still by far the greatest in Ohio State history. And obviously with Justin Fields, like we know he can throw the ball, but he had that element of running it. And same with C.J. Stroud with his arm talent. But Dwayne's numbers that he put up, I mean, absolutely eye-popping. And he kept them. He won a lot of games. I mean, who could forget the freaking Penn State game for Dwayne? But not to go off on a tangent. I will go with the with the false for this one. and. Dave, you sounded like you were kind of on the fence. I think maybe law of averages plays out here where it's not a given that every single Ohio State quarterback is just going to – we assume that they're going to be a Heisman finalist. And I think you can also go by what else is going on in college football too. That doesn't necessarily mean that I don't believe in Kyle McCord, but say he throws for, you know, 37 touchdown passes and, you know, seven or eight picks. Hell of a nice season on paper, right? Can win you a lot of football games. Maybe there's some uh, some more going on with the running game here at Ohio State. You you got to take a look at that too. Even though Ryan Day produces and develops great quarterbacks, that doesn't mean that they don't want to have a concerted effort to run the football. I also still question what this offensive line is going to look like this year. So that makes me pull back on the reins on just assuming that whoever wins the job, which I do believe it's going to be Kyle McCord as well is you know one of the top three players, according to everybody, in college football. I know you might have four there, but you look at uh, Drake Mays coming back in college football the year he put up. Caleb Williams is going to be back in college football with the year that he put up. And uh, Michael Penix Jr., I know, is a hot name that's out there. 
there's uh it's it'll be close, but I'll I'll take the false oh. if I if I gotta go one or the other. I will say if it was just this year, I'd I'd probably say false. You're giving me next year too. Not before yeah, the ball out this year and go pro, but that's what he put could. me over the top. I'll say that. Like you, you give me two years, I like it. Now, and if you pick Dev, Devin Brown, you get maybe three years. But I know you do. But, but you're I'll, right. I'll be shocked if it's not McCord as a starter this year. So you're right. I'm thinking maybe he plays well enough to still go pro, and then that ends it. But he's also not one of the Heisman finalists. But you could still turn yourself into a pretty nice pro prospect if he's, you know, he's got he's got that pro style look to him. I mean that that's for sure. So I. I definitely like what we're going to be working with. I I think it's interesting because if the Big Ten doesn't have the season it had in 2020, you're looking at Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud. That's five straight years potentially uh, of Heisman Trophy finalist quarterbacks yeah. under Ryan Day, which is remarkable. I will go false as well, and I agree with you, Tim. It's just – at some point, a run has to come to an end, right? This isn't because I don't believe in Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, but the, the success of a first-year starting quarterback at Ohio State just keeps getting higher and higher and higher, and I'm just not sure that that can continue to go. And the standard has raised as well for, for what a Heisman Trophy finalist is and, and what the voters are looking for now that Ohio State quarterbacks have been there a lot, but not won one, which I think is another thing, too. If you had – Guys who have won, you know, maybe they've had two Heisman Trophy winners here recently, then maybe, you know, they're looked at differently. But I think because guys keep getting there not winning, they, they get viewed, they're going to get viewed a little bit differently. And, and it's going to be harder for an Ohio State quarterback to just make it going forward. But we will see. Tim, you just hit on the next thing I wanted to ask about true or false. The Ohio State offensive line will be the difference between a Big Ten championship or not this season? We'll start with you. Because I know I know your thoughts on this O-line. Are you, are you asking me? Now, the way that you phrase that, it's almost like you're putting me on the spot to answer if they'll win the Big Ten Championship or not as a team, and then the O-line is the reason for that. That, that is what I'm asking. Like a, two, like a two-parter? Or if they suck, the offensive line sucks, and that's why they don't win it. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> for me to go first as you think i don't want to i'm gonna say i don't i can't sit here in the spring and and commit to them being so bad right now that they're not going to win a big 10 championship i'm i i certainly don't want to be i don't want to be that guy so i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna commit to that now in uh in march like they they certainly have a long way to go and they're not there yet like they they need these practices going up to April 15th, and they certainly are going to need the off-season workouts. And when they reconvene for fall camp, there's going to need to be a lot of improvement there. I mean, I know with everything that we've been able to follow along with, there's there's some some movement there. Like Josh Fryer seems to be a dude. Like they they like this guy, like at left tackle and what he can provide. Hearing good things about Carson Hinsman and uh, possibly being the next center at Ohio State. You feel really good about the two guards, but still, when you're talking about center and both of the tackles, it's a big part of your football team. Um, it's going to be something to definitely watch as the season goes along. It, it, if there is going to be something that this football team struggles with, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be because of that offensive line, 
But I'm not going to say here right now that they're not going to win the Big Ten championship because of that. I got to believe that they will, that they will get better, that they they will have the right guys in place, play in the five best, however that's going to look, and they'll be able to get it done. Because I I can't, I can't, I'm not going to set my mind to losing another game to Michigan and not going to the Big Ten championship here and then spring. No, you're not going to get me to do that. I say that I say that's a false question. That's what I say. I'm going false that the O-line will determine whether or not Ohio State wins the Big Ten or wins the national championship this year. It's going to be on the defense. Now, is the O-line a big part of that? Yes, but um, if you made me pick one or the other, it's clearly the defense. The defense is the reason they didn't win the national championship last year. If that defense just you know plays solid in the fourth quarter and doesn't completely crap the bed, they are national champions. I have no doubt they would have beat TCU. So the defense lost the Michigan game for them. The defense lost the Georgia game for them. Now, I mean, the offense could have played better against Michigan, but the offense could not have played much better against Georgia other than the final drive after CJ had that long run. And then they didn't do a good enough job of getting like a reasonable field goal there. They went in a too conservative mode after being super aggressive. So while there's different elements that all add up that are important, the number one thing to me is the defense. Now, I do believe the defense – will be improved this year, but that's the biggest thing to me. It's defense one, O-line two for me. I think if Ohio State doesn't go into the transfer portal at the end of spring practice, assuming there is somebody there that can make this team better, if they are just willing to sit with what they've got, I think it could be problematic. Now, I will say – we haven't seen Justin Fry, the developer, yet. We saw Justin Fry. Somebody said this to me the other day, and I thought it was really well put. I think it was Tim May. Somebody, or uh, We saw Justin Fry, the inheritor. He got Dewan Jones. He got Paris Johnson. He got Luke Whipler. And not to say that he didn't help make them better, but those were some pretty talented players. And Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones and Josh Fryer. Yeah. Yeah, all of these <laughs> yeah. guys. So what does, Justin, how do, what does Justin Fry, the developer, look like is going to be very we'll, – we'll have a good idea after this spring going to next season what what this O-line looks like and how he can take guys that weren't the highest recruited guys. They weren't Paris Johnson that, that are stepping in here. Um, what I saw at the scrimmage, I saw some good moments from the right tackles specifically, but I just wasn't entirely – I didn't walk out of there like, okay, they're starting to get this O-line completely figured out. Um, I'll be interested to see what Jacob James looks like coming back into the into the fold this summer. I do like that Carson Hinsman has kind of taken that in his own, onto his own, but um, three guys is a lot to replace on an O line, especially when you haven't recruited that position as well. So I think you know I I won't I don't want to say that they're going to lose to Michigan again, but I ha- I am worried that this O line is going to be problematic. Uh, let's go to the next one, and real quick, if you're watching this live. Feel free to uh, give your thoughts on our true or false here and uh, throw some questions if you have any about the Buckeyes this spring in the chat. Once we're out of time with Tim and Dave, I'm going to answer some questions. So feel free to throw those in there. But uh, true or false, we'll start with you on this one, Dave. Ohio State will rotate wide receivers more this year with the depth that they claim to have than they have under Brian Hartline traditionally. That means more than three guys playing almost all the snaps. More than three. Okay, I'll go true on that because I was going to say if you're not in the top four, you're not playing. 
But also, I'll go true. I think they will play four receivers a lot this year. I think if you're number five, you're probably in trouble because unless one of those top four guys, you know, gets hurt. I mean, Hardline's clear about his his mantra, and it's not going to change. He's proven it. It doesn't matter what they say during spring or anything. Even the Hartline himself is – he's a straight shooter. But as far as, like, the other coaches and whatnot, Hartline says flat out, if I'm going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. off the field for you, you have to be as good as Marv. If I'm going to take a Mecca Ibuka off the field for you, you have to be as good as a Mecca. So you've got Marvin Harrison Jr., you got a Mecca Ibuka, you got Julian Fleming, you got Xavier Johnson, and you got Jaden Ballard, in my opinion, fighting for – well, really, the last three – fighting for those last two spots. And I'll put Xavier Johnson in there. I think he's going to be in the mix for sure as one of the top four. So that's down to Julian Fleming and Jaden Ballard for me. Who's going to be that fourth guy? Because if you're the fifth guy, you're going to be out on the outside looking in, in my opinion, um, unless there's injuries or whatnot. It's great to have depth. You look beyond those top five, I think Caleb Brown of the second-year guys can help. And I really like the true freshmen. I know I'm not breaking news there. These early enrollee true freshmen look really, really good, all three of them. And Brandon Ennis might be the best of the bunch. And he hasn't even enrolled yet. So I like the true freshmen, but I think they might be a year away from really contributing. We need to remember Marvin Harrison Jr. is fantastic, right? It took until the Rose Bowl for him to even see the field as a true freshman. And that's only because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were sitting the game out. It's hard to see the field as a true freshman. So I love this group, but really Heartline's proven it. And he even says it, if you're not in the top four, you're not going to play. So I'll go true since you put it on three. If you had put it on four or more than four, I would have said false, but you said four, so I'll go. Or you said three, so I'll go. I'll go true. I think you mean false. They won't play. False, whatever. What I can't remember even what the question was at this point. <laughs> you don't think they will play much more than three wide receivers? The beer's already kicking in. I haven't had that like, right. beer. That yeah, it's already. I'm already getting confused. I mean, we thought we yeah. thought this was truth or dare. So true or false? Just listen to the answers. It doesn't really matter what we uh, what we blurt out there at first. <laughs> we even have somebody that said that. Look, look at this. So did I miss under the question? Wouldn't that be false, Dave? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. This is your show. I keep forgetting that you're. No, you're good. The, you're the. I'm used to being the admin here. That's your. That's your job now. Bitch makes, yeah, makes great points too. And so I'll say false. And for everything that the way that Heartline does it, they to have everybody back at that position group, man, like that, that is substantial. So when you do, we talk about the offensive line, we talk about having a new quarterback. This is one of the the biggest reasons why Ohio State football is not going to really suffer any kind of major drop off this year, is because probably the best position group on the whole football team over the last two or three years. And it's also one of the better position groups in America in all of college football. They don't lose anybody. I mean, you have, you have maybe the best player in college football coming back and he might've been the best player in college football last year too. I mean, coming back to do it again and Marvin Harrison, Jr. Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, who's just, He's had a weird career here at Ohio State, being one of the highest-rated recruits the Buckeyes have ever had. So he's certainly not going to be able to live up to that billing, but he he was on the football field enough last year, and he showed you a lot of glimpses of why he was that super high recruit. Injuries have been a problem for him, and you almost want it. You want to see it for Julian Fleming, so I got to have him in the mix. And then uh, X making that big play against Georgia. What a beautiful over-the-shoulder catch that was to spin off his man and then uh, saunter into the end zone. That was just a really skillful play. I know like when we heard Brian Hartline speak about Johnson in uh, 
a couple days ago. It was weird, like the way he kind of talked about him, where he almost didn't want to praise him too much, or he said how he kind of is a good wide receiver and he is a good running back at the same time. So it kind of told you he's got a role, but maybe there is a way right there where one other wide receiver beyond Xavier Johnson might get some run, get into the mix. One of those many names that Biddle ran off. There's just so many guys. There's so many good football players at that position. So I think it will be, you know, 80% of the time, certainly with Marvin and Emeka, bulk load of the snaps in meaningful snaps, tight football games. It's going to really be just them, like uh, your top two guys. It will be just then. And then on top of that, I, I would think Jaden Ballard with his time now and just uh, how much we've been discussing him, seeing him out there pro day, catching balls from C.J. Stroud, feel like he would be that next guy that's ready to take a step to get into the mix. If we're going to talk about, you know, four guys and then a fifth being one of uh, – I honestly don't know who that fifth would be. Biddle, maybe you have a, a better opinion on that because there's about seven or eight names that you gave there. And Brandon Innes seems to be the most freakishly gifted-looking guy who's not even here yet. And it's it's tough to see a true freshman – with all these good wide receivers coming in there and doing anything big. Carnell Tate got his black stripe removed and liking what he's doing too. Noah Rogers looks good. Yeah. And so it's, it's like clearly we know Marvin and Emeka are, are one and two. And then Xavier's going to play as we all know. And then it's in whatever order. Right now it's Julian Fleming is going to be like the three or the four or whatever. And then I think Jaden Ballard would be right now the guy on the outside looking in. But he's got a chance to beat out Julian Fleming. He can take the top off the defense. He's very talented. Um, all it takes is one injury for him to be in the top four, or he could beat out Julian Fleming. And then after that, yeah, I mean, like Caleb Brown maybe, um, and maybe some of those true freshmen, but I think it's really going to be tough. I think it's really going to just be those top four guys if they stay healthy. Just for some context, last year, Marvin Harrison Jr. played 754 snaps. That includes only playing 49 in the Peach Bowl. Igmeka Buka played 705. Julian Fleming, who didn't play the first two games, played 503. The next was Xavier Johnson at 207. Now, obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigbo would have been a big factor there had he stayed healthy, but I, I'm on the same page as you guys. I don't think they go much beyond those top three if it weren't uh, if it's not necessary for for them. I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball, and, and we, I think we deserve to ask them a true or false here before we let you guys get out of here. True or false? Uh, this this secondary, the pass defense, will rank in the top 20 this year in passing yards allowed. They were 26th last season, and they were top 15-10 for most of the year until those last three games. Do they take the step to get into that, that top 20 as a pass defense? Tim, I'll start with you. I'll say false, at least from uh, everything that I have right now. And we talked about, you know, biggest concerns. You know, Dave still stuck with the defense there. And I I went with the offensive line. I I do feel strongly that the defense is going to get better a little bit. I mean, taking everything in, feeling what that felt like, making the mistakes that they made, and understanding how costly they were. I think that creates a lot of movement behind the scenes and, Obviously, Jim Knowles is a guy that understands the drill. Like He knows what the expectations were, what he was hired, and what he was brought in here to do. And he's a smart guy. So I, I believe that he's going to 
make the right calls. And it's not just going to be about personnel that he picks. I know we're hearing more about the corners are sliding into that nickelback position right now. He's looking more in the Jair Brown, Ryan Turner realm for that nickel right now. You've got, you know, a talented guy like Davison Igbenosin from Ole Miss who's coming here to help. Jihad Carter from Syracuse. So you've got some experienced guys coming in through the transfer portal. How can Denzel Burke be that bad? You know, but at the same time, I, I don't just want to give it to him because there's concern with that that I want to actually see it play out. So I don't just want to hand them top 20. I want to make them earn that. I do think they're going to be better. I think there's a, it's a better chance here this year that they're not going to screw up the season, but I can't go all the way just yet. Dave, Give me the question again. Are they going to be top 20, true or false? True or false. They will be top 20 pass defense. I will say true. Barely, but I will say true. I think they're still going to be better against the run than against the pass, but they don't play a, a, against a ton of great passing offenses, and I do think they'll be better this year. I think that that's a huge emphasis, obviously, um, limiting those big plays. The idea you can give up five chunk plays, that might work in the opener against Indiana. In fact, it will. That's not going to work you know, against Michigan. That's not going to work in the college football playoffs. So they got to pare that down. The idea you can give up five chunk plays in a game and still win, that went out the window last year. So, But I, I really like the talent in the secondary. They are dripping with depth at safety. I mean, when you got – now, I don't think Sonny Styles is going to be a second-team safety. I don't think Jihad Carter is going to be a second-team safety. But when those guys are running with the twos – you know, throughout spring so far, you know you're pretty deep at safety. Kai Stokes is running with the twos. So they're very, very deep at safety. And I also like the talent at corner. They're not extremely deep. They're deeper than what they were last year. If they can stay healthy at corner, which was, you know, they were they already went into the season with a lack of depth. Only six corners, scholarship corners on the roster last year. And they struggled to find two healthy corners at times. There was a game where Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson, who's now transferred, J.K. Johnson's transferred to LSU, were the starting corners against Wisconsin. Because they had three guys out, Cam Brown, Denzel Burke, and Jordan Hancock. So the corners right now are healthy. They've got an extra scholarship corner than what they did last year. Um, and I believe in the corner. So I think they will be better. I think the defensive line is going to do a better job of getting after the quarterback, which is the secondary's best friend. You add it all up. I think they'll be top 20 pass defense, but barely. So I'll go true. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on your, your side, Dave. Look, I think if injuries don't impact this – group as much as it did last year which seems like a lot especially at corner as you mentioned I think they are probably in a better spot at the end of the year I think you saw at times what Denzel Burke can do when he's healthy and he wasn't healthy last year I want to touch on that a little bit more later but it will be it will be interesting I I think there was a wake-up call uh you mentioned Jim Knowles and his five big plays I think he realizes that that can't happen um I, I think they will be top 20. I think it will be better. I think they've got the players to to make it happen, as you said, Dave. Tim, Dave, I think you we've hit we've hit your deadline. We're we're about 25 minutes in. You both got to get out of here. I'm 15 minutes late for my appointment. This oh, is what well, I this is what I give the lovely Buckeye fans. Now imagine if you'd had a beer. Say hi to Anna, everybody. I know Say I'd be buzzed. Anna. All right, go Reds. Pat, thanks for having us on. I'm going to have a delicious Skyline Cheese Coney. Oh, man, it really oh, is a yeah, baby. Guy. God, he's got a dog and a beer. And he has a dog. He has a dog, a dog, and a beer. Two, two real dogs. The real dog. Coney. Yeah. Beer, Reds baseball. I love, I love it. What a day. Mm. Yeah, okay. All right.
You guys go on with your day. I'll continue talking Buckeyes without you. Remember, the you guy who said that's an ugly dog, I want you to say that to my face sometime. The guy in the chat that said that's an ugly dog, you say that to my face, we're fighting. Whoever this guy is in the chat, say that to my face sometime. I'm easy to find. Call my dog ugly to my face. You, you come out here to the west side of Hilliard, man. Come out to Hilliard and say that to my face. You come out here. Loser in the chat. Right. You're ugly. I almost said like you're somebody else is ugly. You don't Whoever come around the chat my, my dog's ugly. Show your picture. I bet you're ugly. All right. Have a good day, everybody, except <laughs> the guy that called my dog ugly. He can go screw himself. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks to Dave and Tim. I wanted to play some true or false, do something a little different. I think we're going to bring that game back every once in a while. Just, you know, maybe on a day where baseball isn't kicking off and Dave doesn't uh, have other priorities and, and Timmy doesn't have to work as much. We'll try and we'll try and record one that way. I want to dive in. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. And this morning we were over at the Woody and we just ended talking about that secondary. It was defensive backs day. We talked to pretty much, well, not everybody, but a lot of guys, I think, I don't know, upwards of 10 players or eight or eight players, I think eight or nine. And then uh, both Perry Eliano and Tim Walton about this, this secondary. Um, so I want to dive into that. Again, if you have any Ohio State questions that you want answered, you're watching this live, throw them in the chat. I will try and answer them in uh, towards the end of the show. But I wanted to dive into this because I thought there were some interesting things that came out of our conversations with the coaches and players in the secondary for Ohio State. I'll start with, and this is something I mentioned last week, they have changed the way that they're doing meetings this year with the secondary. The defensive coaches – uh, the defense, the defensive backs coaches, that is, are uh, meeting together. So the safeties and corners are doing meetings in conjunction. And uh, I asked Perry Eliano a little bit about this, and he said that there was some conversation between him and Tim Walton about kind of synchronizing things a little bit more, that those two get along very well and that they wanted to kind of bring this group together and have them, you know, have, have everybody speaking the same language. So I'm interested to see what is going to come of that, um, how that approach is going to work. I asked Denzel Burke about if he's noticed much of a difference. And basically he said, and you can watch the video on our YouTube page from, from all the interviews today, but he said that uh, they, you know, that they're, they're, they've really just started it, but that it's kind of created more unity, more understanding between the two groups. What I think is also interesting when we're discussing this is the fact that there are some corners that are playing that nickelback position this spring. Some of the backup corners who aren't getting first team reps. Um, that would be the position that we expect Cam Martinez or Jihad Carter to start in. But there seems to be some ideas uh, of, blending these positions a little bit more. Jihad Carter is a guy who can play anywhere safety in the, with the, within the three safeties, but could also play corner potentially. So I think it'll be interesting to see how much of the blending of the, the cornerbacks, the safeties, uh, you know, just, just all those positions there, there are. And, and, you know, Perry Eliano touched on having guys play all three safety spots, which is, a little bit different than what we heard a year ago where guys were sort of 
sharpied into one position or the other. And, and maybe that changed a little bit behind the scenes that we don't know about. But I think that this year they're, they're willing to look at guys at different spots. We've already seen that with a guy like Josh Proctor, who started last year at the bandit position, kind of the boundary safety, and is now the adjuster, the free safety. So they're, they're experimenting a little bit, which is what spring's about, obviously. You don't have to worry about games. And I'm just interested to see how all this kind of blending of corners, safeties will work for the Buckeyes. Um, you know, it's, it's different than what we heard a year ago, where I'm sure there were still meetings between the entire defensive backfield, but now they are doing it more often, um, you know, sometimes as much as every day during a week, at least every other day, from my understanding. So how that all works, how that makes this group better will be, uh, will be interesting to follow as we get into the season. Obviously, it's easy to do some of this now, easy to teach together. Um, but once you get into the season, you're working on schematic things. Does that work as well? well? It's a wait and see. I know this isn't reinventing the wheel, and this has been done before, not only at Ohio State, but at other places. So I'm, I'm, that's a storyline I want to follow throughout. When we were at the scrimmage on Saturday, the first team safeties were Josh Proctor at that uh, adjuster position, Lathan Ransom, at the bandit and Cameron Martinez as the nickel. And I wonder how that will look come week one of the season. And then like the midpoint of the season. And then towards the end of the year, uh, I think Lathan Ransom is probably the guy at his spot, but right now, Sonny styles is practicing behind Lathan Ransom and my thought was that Sonny's a guy that can move around and do a lot of different things, so he didn't need to be pigeonholed into one position. So it didn't really matter who the starter was. He was going to find a role, and I think he will. But what Perry Eliano said today, which, which I thought was interesting, was that they, they are focusing Sonny on certain things right now and, and one position. Um, and again, this is spring, so they, they don't have to have it all figured out right now. But they do, I think, need to figure out a way to get Sonny on the field. And if Lathan is your guy at the adjuster or at the bandit, excuse me, and that's where Sonny's spending most of his time practicing this spring as the second team guy, where does Sonny fit, assuming Lathan stays healthy and continues to play well? Remember, Lathan last year, who took over the role for Josh from Josh Proctor, was coming back from a broken leg, and, and Perry Eliano got asked about this today. How much, you know, did that hold him back a little bit as he, you know, he's back faster than anyone expected. So it's possible we see an even better Lathan Ransom this year. Hopefully not a Lathan Ransom that's matched up with the guy who runs a 4-2-4 or whatever the Georgia wide receiver ran, uh, but a better Lathan Ransom this year. And then if you stick with Josh Proctor as the adjuster, and right now the number two guy behind him is uh, Kai Stokes, I don't know if that's where you want Sonny Styles, and you're probably not putting Sonny Styles at the nickel position. So I, I, I'm interested, and I didn't get a chance to really follow up on that with Perry Eliano today, but I, I'd like to learn more about this. And obviously we'll see more as we progress. Um, and look, one scrimmage is not the, the full makeup, but I did think that what we saw plus what we heard today was interesting when it comes to Sonny Styles, because to me that's a guy, if you want your secondary to be, 
much improved from what it was last year, that's a guy who you need to find a role for and a, and a bigger role than just, okay, you're going to cover the tight end because he's a big tight end. Like his role was supposed to be for Georgia. So I mentioned that. And then Cam Martinez, this is a guy who the last few years we've heard so much about in terms of his athleticism and, you know, he's a high school dual threat quarterback and, you know, run first predominantly. He's had to learn how to be uh, a member of this secondary, but we haven't seen it. He was banged up last year throughout the season. So, you know, even though Tanner McAllister was there, even when he was in, we probably didn't get the best version of Cam Martinez. Now he's running with the ones. And this comes after you bring in a guy in Jihad Carter who played that role, started in that role for multiple years at Syracuse. And the thought was, and now this was not what was promised. There were no promises made to Jihad Carter when he transferred, but the thought was that he was being brought in to play that nickel position and do it differently than Tanner McAllister last year. Tanner McAllister, a smaller guy, Jihad Carter, bigger body, bigger frame. Uh, So if that's not the case, where does Jihad Carter fit into this secondary? Um, Right now, according to Perry Eliano, he's learning each of the three roles. So maybe he does end up at one of the other spots. You know, he, he mentioned today that uh, Jihad had moved back and, and played some of that free safety role at times in practice and, and things like that. So maybe if, if it doesn't work out for Josh Proctor, maybe that's a role for him. But it's, it does seem interesting to me, and this could just be something they are doing in the spring just to test guys, uh, push guys like a Cam Martinez – try to bring the best out of Jihad Carter, things like that. I think it will be very interesting to see what kind of push they make, how this defense, as I said at the top, how this defense, the secondary specifically looks heading into the season, week one of the season. Because remember, we started last season with with Josh Proctor as a starting safety, and that didn't last very long after that Notre Dame game. How, How it progresses, where guys are, who takes on what role, and maybe even if there's rotation, you know, could Cam Martinez and Jihad Carter both play quite a bit at that nickel spot, for instance? Uh, I think that you know, certainly a possibility because they're very different players in terms of the, the, their size and, and athleticism and whatnot. I, I think I think it's something to keep an eye on, uh, see where guys are, even at the end of spring, uh, as opposed to where they were here. What was that practice five that we saw out of fifteen? On, on Saturday. So something to keep an eye on. And then I'm really excited about Denzel Burke. Um, and that's a guy I don't think we've talked about a lot this off season, but remember Denzel Burke as a freshman when he kind of burst onto the scene week one at Minnesota. And I asked him about that today and he said it was eye opening. You know, he, he looked around and there's, he's in front of, you know, he's at Minnesota. So it wasn't a hundred thousand people, but it was more people than he's used to playing in front of. And, had that great freshman year, All-American freshman year, um, freshman All-American year. And then last season never looked right. And before we, we'd heard about him being banged up, it was, you know, was it something mental? Did he not do enough stuff in the offseason to, to build on his freshman season? Uh, as it turns out, you know, we know he had an injury with his hand wrist that, that cost him a game. Uh, but he said today, Thursday, that he was uh, – dealing with a shoulder and ankle. He's dealing with a lot of mental stuff because he'd 
he was dealing with all these injuries. He just, he's called it a very up and down season. And I think when Denzel Burke was healthy, you saw the Denzel Burke that we knew from his freshman year when he wasn't healthy, it, it was a big drop off. And so a, hopefully he is healthy this season. He's healthy right now. He sa- it sounds like he is playing very well from what we saw the other day in the scrimmage. He was playing well. Um, I really liked talking to him on Thursday because he seemed to just be more comfortable in that setting. Um, not that he wasn't last year. He's a very confident kid, but I thought he just, he, he seemed loose. And I felt at times last year, he felt kind of tight. Um, so hopefully he's healthy, but throughout the course of the season, there's going to be bangs and bruises and hopefully it's not nearly as bad as what he experienced last year, but how can he find a way to play through those various ailments throughout the year and maintain his level? Cause that's the difference to me in, you know, your, your good college player and your top college players, finding ways to, to continue to play well when you are not a hundred percent. Now, obviously his injuries last year were, were more inhibitive than, uh, than the, the average person playing college football. But uh, I, I think he does need to be able to play through that a little bit more of a, a little bit more of those injuries a little bit more of, of what you typically get for, um, you know, throughout the college football season, because it's going to happen. He plays a physical position. He plays physical. He's going to get banged up. And it's not like he's the biggest of cornerbacks, but if he wants to play in the NFL. If he wants to continue to have this college career, he's got to get through that. And then if he is the Denzel Burke that we think he can be, how much does that change Ohio State's defense? Because I think if, he, if you have – at least one lockdown corner, and we've seen it at Ohio State in the past. I uh, I think you, I think you know, you're, you're obviously your defense is better. Um, you, your secondary will be better. That cornerback on the other side, you, know, you lock down one side of the field. Now it's on that cornerback at the at the other side. So uh, I think I think he could be in for a big year. Um, it's 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 going to be interesting though how he plays through some of those bangs and bruises. One that I want to jump away from the defense. Uh, I wrote about this the other day, talk some quarterbacks. Something Ryan Day said that caught my eye or caught my ear, I guess, um, that I, I will be interested to see how this plays out throughout the course of um, you know the, the rest of this quarterback battle. Um, he was talking, he was asked about what he looks for in quarterbacks just in general this wasn't specific to Kyle McCord Devin Brown either of the either of those guys and he talked about he wanted and I'm trying to bring up the quote here um he wants a guy who will guys who can compete which I think as I said in the piece I don't think that should be an issue for anyone who is at Ohio State I think competition is is what gets you to this level now I know people will push back a little bit about competition and and wanting to compete for your spot, but you don't get to Ohio state unless you are able to compete. But here's the exact quote from my day. I think the first thing is they have to be able to compete. They have to be high, high competitors because of what it takes to be the quarterback at Ohio state. You have to be highly, highly competitive. I think most Ohio state quarterbacks are that or else they wouldn't be at Ohio state. That's me talking back to Ryan day. I think the other thing is you look for some sort of extraordinary trait 
If you think about the different quarterbacks we've had, even going back to with Braxton, Cardale, JT, Dwayne, Justin, CJ, when Joe was here, I mean, they all had extraordinary traits. And I think that's important. And you try to emphasize those traits. The follow-up question was asked to Ryan Day if he'd started to see the extraordinary traits of Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Here was his response. I think that they're starting to take shape. I think that they're doing a good job. I think the one thing that I can appreciate about both of them is their work ethic, their intelligence level, and it's been fun to get out there and see them now that they take reps with the ones. So if you want to, if you want to look more into that, I wrote about it, but my take on that response is that neither of these quarterbacks have shown that at this point. Now, as the story goes on to say, they don't need to show that at this point. It's, week three of spring practice, week four, whatever it is at this point, they've just finished. I think today was practice. Thursday was practice number seven. The, if they're not playing a game tomorrow, then they don't need to have figured out everything about the quarterback. With that said, I think as a Buckeye fan, you would feel more comfortable if when Ryan day was asked that follow-up question, he pointed to here's what Kyle's extraordinary trade is. Here's what Devin's extraordinary trait is. We're trying to bring the best out of them in either way and maximize other things, you know, something along those lines. Um, I speculate that Kyle's, if if they find an extraordinary trait with Kyle, and I think they both guys have things that, that can certainly fall under that umbrella, Kyle will fall into the more pocket passer, arm talent type of player. And this is not to say that he can't be mobile and he can't move because if you talk to Kyle McCord, he calls himself a playmaker who's willing to do whatever to help his team win. And if you look at Kyle McCord, when he's moving around, he's athletic. There's no doubt about that. But I think what makes Kyle special is his arm and more in the mold of CJ when he's not moving around as much, even though he can. I think Devin is still refining his arm to some degree, but he still has a a good arm. but the mobility, the athleticism is what makes him a little bit different. And whether that's his extraordinary trait or not, that's for the coaching staff to figure out. But the, I, I think that that's, that's where these two quarterbacks kind of differ. And if you ask them, they both can do what you need. Devin Brown can sit back there in the pocket and throw the ball. Kyle McCord can move around. I think there's truth in that. I am just interested to see how, as this progresses, and I know I've said interested a lot, but that's what we're doing at this time of year when a lot of it is talk and speculation and you know trying to figure things out based on clips and 30-minute windows and things like that. But I am. I'm interested to see and follow up with Ryan Day after spring, headed into fall camp, middle of fall camp, um, if they've started to identify these extraordinary traits. Because I think if you go back, look, Braxton Miller's athleticism was ridiculous. Uh, JT Barrett, I would say probably his extraordinary trait was his leadership and his toughness, just like the way he willed teams to win a lot of those games. Um, Cardale, obviously that, that cannon of an arm. Dwayne, uh, not only a strong arm, but accurate. Justin obviously was maybe your perfect blend of athleticism and a, the the arm you want at the college level cj had cj was about as accurate as you can get um smart joe burrow you know the, the list goes on i think you guys understand my point here 
I think you need to find what these guys do at their best. Um, and maybe Ryan Day knows this and just didn't want to put it out to the public as these guys are still, you know, they're still trying to, to mold each of these quarterbacks. I think that's possible. But uh, I did find that answer interesting. And as I'm writing that story, it's kind of behind the curtain on this, I was sort of struggling to figure out like where to take it because the answer was kind of vague. Um, but I thought it was such an interesting response. And this isn't the first time Ryan Day's talked about needing to find that extraordinary quality, that extraordinary trait with quarterbacks. He's, he said that about when they watch these guys in recruiting. Um, so I think there's probably ideas behind the scenes, but I think they certainly, you certainly would like to start to really identify those so you can, can bring those out in the quarterbacks going forward. Um, I, you know, as this competition continues, um, one question I wanted to bring up that I saw on there uh, in this, in the live chat, uh, Kylak, I believe is the pronunciation of that name uh, asked what's up with all the injuries, the turf mix, mix out training outdated. I actually looked, I don't remember exactly when this was during the season last year, but maybe before the Penn state game, I remember we were in the car on the road and I went back and looked at the, availability report from all of the availability reports from the 2021 season and how many guys were unavailable, how many guys were questionable then up to that point, whatever it was, whatever week we were in. And then I counted it for the 2022 season because it felt like to me and to a lot of people that there were way more injuries last year. And as it turned out, at least at that point, I didn't go back and follow up at the end of the season. Uh, so maybe that was different, but number really wasn't that different. In fact, if I remember correctly, I think it was lower than what it was in 2021. I think the difference was the guys that were getting hurt. Um, you know, you had Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, obviously Jackson, uh, Denzel Burke, we talked about before, you know, the, the, quite a few guys who were expected to be big time players for this team getting injured and, and missing time. Whereas if you looked at it the year before, yeah, there were guys that got hurt. Josh Proctor against Oregon. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the, the list for all of them, but there were the, the number of injuries were about roughly the same, at least at that point. And it was just happened to be the guys that, that were hurt. And to me, that's just bad luck. Um, you know, I think football, you're going to have injuries every year. It's, it's going to be a sport where you have uh, a number of injuries. I think if you look, you know, you mentioned the turf here. Um, I don't know how many of the injuries played a part in the turf. Um, you know, you look at like a Mayan Williams, he gets hurt at Penn state when he gets hit out of bounds. Same with Jackson. I don't think that was a turf thing. Um, I know there have been studies about this kind of turf and the NFL teams don't like it. And, and whatnot, I would expect Ohio State to uh, do its due diligence there, but you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how many of the injuries, and certainly I'm no medical professional. Um, I don't know how many of the injuries have to do with the turf. In terms of Mickey Marathi, I think that he came under fire a lot two years ago after the loss to Michigan because of the whole toughness factor, and rightfully so. That's what he's preached with his program, whether it be Ohio state, Florida, beyond then. Uh, but 
you talk to people in that industry and Mickey Marotti's name comes up a lot in terms of an example of, of guys. Could he tweak things? Sure. Um, but we aren't in the winter workouts. I don't know how much has changed. You know, we only see or hear about what they choose to put out there, be that social media, um, you know, whatever. I am sure that science has evolved. I know science has evolved in that department since Mickey Mick got into the industry, since he got to Ohio State. But given what his job is, and he, he isn't just in charge of the Ohio State football team. He's in charge of uh, strength and conditioning for the entire athletic department, overseeing all of that, even though each team has um, a, a strength coach. I would have to imagine that Mick is aware of what has changed in the science. Now, could it be that he has been stubborn in his ways? Sure. But I don't think you stick around at a place like Ohio State uh, doing, doing that. I think there's too many smart people in that building. And, uh, you know, he, he, look, there's, there's so much pressure on Ohio State to win. I think if they looked at what was going wrong and, identified that the strength and conditioning program, be it injuries, be it toughness, be it whatever was culpable for something, they would make a move. Um, you know, you're, you're paying this guy almost $900,000 a year, just got a, I think a $40,000 raise. You, you don't do that. Um, unless, you know, especially in, in a, something that's as important to, as strength and conditioning is for football, if you don't believe he's getting the job done. So, Again, not my level of expertise, though I was at the gym earlier, but I just know what I do. Uh, but look, I, I don't think he is the issue. I think last year there were just a lot of guys that were supposed to play a big part in the season that, that happened to be hurt for one reason or another. And if you look at other seasons, sometimes the injuries happen to, to backups, even though they're not on the field as much. Look, if you're on the field more, there's a better chance you're going to get hurt, right? I mean, that's just the way it happens. So you, I think you can also credit Mick and the strength staff for getting guys back as quickly as they have. Now you can argue maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba and that situation was bad, but like, look at a Lathan ransom broke his leg in the Rose bowl was playing against Notre Dame nine months later after a pretty bad leg break. So uh, I think you can make arguments both ways. We've touched on a lot here. If you missed any of the program earlier, we played true or false, which is not truth or dare, as we learned today, uh, about this Buckeye team. I still have some more that I'd like to get to with uh, with Dave and Timmy, who, again, thank them for coming on. But we'll do that on, on future shows. I think that's a nice activity, and, and we can get the people to join along that, that listen live, watch live. So uh, thank you guys for, for tuning in today. Thank you for Tim and Dave for about 30 minutes of their time on a big opening day. Dave is already off pondering how many wins I think. Well, we won't get, we won't go down baseball talk. I don't want to make fun of the Reds today, but uh, Dave's probably already pondering how many wins the Reds will get this year. Anyway, we will be back next week. Most likely this weekend, student appreciation day at Ohio state. Uh, Always a fun day when the, Students get to come out and watch practice and interact with the players, and we get to be there for that as well. Not always the most informative day because they don't uh, they don't do a ton, but we'll have that, and we'll have more interviews next week. 
Uh, I was asked what I was drinking today. Two-hearted. It was the first thing I found in my fridge because I was throwing this together quickly after I got home. Um, so plenty of coverage. Today was a big day with the defensive backs. The videos are already up on Bucknuts. You can also find them from the interviews. You can also find them on our YouTube page. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube page. That will alert you anytime we post new videos, which includes when we do these live podcasts. Uh, so if you don't want to miss those, you don't want to miss interviews, any of the other stuff that's on there, please, or, uh, please subscribe to our channel. It's, uh, it helps us out, and it means you get more Buckeye content. Anyway, Bucknuts, Bucknutters, Buck, Buckeye fans, thank you for another podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.